the same hand. My father, he was getting sick of digging caves here. There was nothing else to do. For a little money, he was a caveman. I mean, digging caves was a hard job. And he says, I'm going to Europe to find a job. The Germans uh, need workers from Turkey to build up the country again, Europe again. They send him a letter, okay, you can come and work in Europe. That's why he came to Germany. After a few years, he came to see us. I didn't know my father when I was a child. I seen one big car coming in the street and say, hey, this is your father. <laughs> he came once a year. It was not easy. There was not a plane every day or every week. And uh, they came with few Turks, they came but they bought a car together. They came to Turkey by car. A long drive. There was no asphalt, no highways in the time. My father was write letter to us, to my mother. So I need to read it because my mother, she cannot read and write. Or oh, my father sent tape recorder, tape. So we spoke back, we sent it back with someone going back to Holland. Maybe twice a year. That's what I remember as a child. And then, one day, my mother said, we're going to Europe. I don't know what is Europe, what is Holland. I just know Holland, but what is Holland? That's why we, we got to Holland because of my father was working there. He was working in a tobacco factory. And uh, I was happy to see my father when I was in Holland. I was seven, uh, say, about almost nine years old. It was easy to bring us over to Holland to be with the family again. I didn't see my father, I didn't maybe five times until I was nine. Uh, when I was in Holland, I, then I missed Görama again. I missed Görama again. All the cars, buildings, discipline, schools. In Görama was not like this. You had a donkey, a rooster, chicken. We grew up with animals. We grew up wild here. In Holland, no, you could not do this. You could not talk with them. You could not go to the streets. School, discipline. And I cried, like, I need to go back. So I had always a homesick, like Cappadocia. I was very young, and I'm driving between all the ports, pick a container there, bring it to France, pick a container, bring it to Bremenhaven, pick a container, bring it to Hamburg. I had no time anymore to think about uh, what is Cappadocia, what is Turkey. I was too busy. I was just married, I had a kid. I was so young, I was selling cars in Rotterdam. I put two cars there to sell. I, and I make good money, I seen I make good money. Dutch people doesn't know how to buy cars, sell cars. If you say, there's a thousand Dutch golders, they say, okay. In Turkey, they bargain. <laughs> and I learned from my father bargaining. And this, my father said, these Dutch people, they never bargain anyway, so sell. I learned my father from my father. A lot. I, I want always do my own job, all my own job. I never worked in Holland. I work for myself. I don't want to be like my father. How they say in, in Holland, gastarbeider. I don't want to be worker, guest worker in Holland like my father. I want to be myself. I want my own job. I want people work for me, not I work for them. My father digging caves in Cappadocia, gone to Holland, working in the mines. I said, no, I, I don't want to be like you. I want to work for myself. That's why I bought trucks. I saw a lot of things. Everything what I find, I bought or sell. sell. This I always started when I was young. I want to do always business for myself, not for, uh, for I, don't, I don't want to work for someone else for cheap money, for less money. I know what the other guys make. I know what I make. 
Because why? You're an outsider. You're working in Holland because I'm a Turk. And Dutch guy, you get, you get more paid than me. A friend of mine, he bought a truck. He's driving to Iran, pays good money, very good money. I'm talking about $30,000, dollars 15000 15 to $30,000 one way to Iran, the truck. I thought about, yeah, maybe, but I was not sure about myself. I didn't know what was nothing about the war in Iran, Iraq. Shah has disappeared, he escaped to America. When Shah was in Iran, they had all American cars, American trucks, all American stuff. Shah was more American system before Khomeini. Everything stopped going from America to Iran. What Europe did, Germany or Belgium or Holland, they bought stuff from America and they sell to Iran. And I think that's why they paid us a lot of money to drive to Iran, Iraq. Uh, everything was legal, all my papers and everything. And I, had, I bought a Mack truck, beautiful American Mack truck. was very young. I was about almost 20. I had a son, yeah, just born. When you go out to Holland on the border, you need to go to a restaurant. While you eat, they make your paperwork. And uh, when your paper is finished, they calling the microphone, Belgrad, Belgrad. Then one driver stand up. And everyone watched like, oh my God, this guy is going to Belgrade. He's crazy. And they're watching behind him, which truck is going to get in. And then you, you hear Athens, Athens. They all stand up. This is crazy. This guy is going to Greece with his truck. I'm talking about 80s. There's no road at all, no highways. Only in Germany, maybe, or France, some places, or in Holland. In Yugoslavia, Austria, there was no highways at all. You need to go climb over the mountains in the 80s in Austria, not highways or not tunnels. And then uh, they call Tehran, Tehran, and they're all watching, who is this idiot going to Tehran? There's war. And they're all watching, who's going to stand up? All the drivers. I mean, they stop, they, all, they don't even eat, they're watching who's going to Tehran. And then I stand, I st stay up, young guy. They're all watching, they're all running behind me like, who is this idiot going to Tehran? At some age, you will be scared. If you see things, you get scared. But if you see nothing in your life, you are not scared of nothing. I mean, you hear war. What is a war? We, we, we know what is going on in Iran. We know what's going on in Iraq. But in that time, I was a young age person. I didn't know nothing about war. I thought, go. Um, I, if my friend goes to Iran with his truck, I can go as well. And it was also exciting for me to drive through communism countries like uh, East Germany, Czech Republic, Budapest. I always want to see these countries. And now I had more chance to see more countries and making money, big money. It was not easy. I seen a lot of crazy things like in East Germany, you need to go through uh, control. They coming with dogs, they watching in your truck, they go on the top of the truck. If there's a hole in there, maybe you hide people in there. You take people out of the country, or maybe you bring Spain, you know, in the time of American-Russian uh, Cold War. And uh, you were always scared. I was scared from the television, like communism, communism. What is communism? I didn't even know. The first day I was in Czech Republic, and in the midnight, small street. My lights didn't work. I pulled my truck over and to look what's going on. And one truck stopped behind me. And there was a Turkish, another Turkish guy. He said, hello, you have any problem? I said, yes. 
middle of my life. He said, I'd rather me help you. He's helping me. And then I said, are you hungry? He said, oh, you can't find restaurants here. You can't find restaurants. He said, I have something to eat. Every truck driver his own box with a cool fridge and everything. I didn't know this. I learn I need to buy as well one. And we were eating with him in the midnight. And he says to me, where are you from? I said, I'm from Holland, but I am born in Neuschir, in Cappadocia. He said, oh, I have an aunt in Neuschir, my family. He says, where? I said, where from Neuschir? He said, Gurama. I said, I am from Gurama. Who's your aunt? He said, Melia Boslak. I said, this is my mother. <laughs> this is my mother. I said, who are you? He said, I am Hashim from Yozgat. Oh, I said, I, I stand up again after hours. We hug together. He said, you're Hashim, I'm Ahmed. He said, you're Ahmed, you're my, you're my cousin. I didn't even know. I'm eating with my own cousin in the Czech Republic. And then we drove all the way back. He teach me the way to Turkey. How to drive, what to do, watch out for that, watch out for that, do like this, follow me, don't talk too much, the police stop you, give him some money and move. And he teach me how to buy cheap gasoil and everything, cheap tires and everything. So I learned a lot from him. If you go to Hungary, they, they sell cheap gasoils. If, if you give German marks to them, they give you a lot of gasoil. You need to, usually you need to buy Gasoil with uh, coupons, communism coupons. They give you on the border, you buy for 300 marks coupons. Say, uh, the price is like Germany, like Holland, the coupons. So you, need to, you can just buy 200 liter gasoil. You can go out of Hungary with 200 liters, this example. But they say, if you pay them black German marks, you find a good gas station for 100 German marks, you can get 600 liter, 500 liter gasoil, but they said you need to have big tanks for your trailer, otherwise not worth, you cannot make money with small tanks. I said, okay, I, first my job was coming to Turkey, built two big trailers. So I bought gasoil in Hungary for 600 German marks, I bought 5,000, 4,000 liter. I sold it in Turkey, because gasoil in Turkey was a lot of money. I sold to European truck drivers that was going, I make money like this. No one knows what I'm doing. I'm, I need to go to Iran, but how I go there, they don't care. They gave me six weeks time to deliver my goods. And in the six weeks, I came even to my, visit my family in Cappadocia, my grandmother, my grandfather or my uncle. I came visit them and stayed. I was going to Turkish Bath for one day and then I was continuing to Iran. Yeah, I was going to the war. I was going to war. I seen danger in the war as well, crazy things happening there. Helicopters landing down with dead bodies coming out of the war. I mean, there were so many helicopters landing on the highways, bringing dead bodies. They were waiting with ambulances and everything, taking them to the hospital. Or, and I seen some, something going wrong here. You feel every day getting worse. You could not drive in the nights with lights on, or you need to make some blue paper when your lights on. You must tape blue paper on your lights so you can drive in the midnight. Be very dangerous, they can use bombs, they can bomb. You, can, you could see some planes going on in the midnight, shooting and everything. You see this clearly in the night. They always said in the border, never sleep in your truck. Take a mattress, something, or sleep outside. Because you have kilometers 
of trucks going to Iran. 20, 40 kilometers. You could wait for days and weeks, maybe for a month, you could wait there. If you have a bottle of alcohol in your truck, you give to the custom, you are gone in, in, a, in a day, you are gone back to Holland. Give them 1,000 German marks, doesn't help. A whiskey of $10, they made wonders. Even alcohol, it was, they could kill you for the alcohol if they find a bottle of alcohol in my truck. I bought every time maybe one bottle or two bottles, small bottle, to make my business down, finish. And I put it under my chains of my truck. It was a dirty chains. They never touched my chains, it was so dirty. And you, and you have truck drivers from coming from Pakistan, Afghanistan, and those people, they have drugs, marijuana. They have bottles of alcohol, then they are not allowed to bring alcohol in Iran. They stop before border, get drunk for a few days. They sit, make a party on the border. The other one roll a cigarette, the other bring the whiskey, <laughs> because they need to finish it. In Turkey, if they catch you with uh, drugs, uh, you hang. And in Iran, if you, they catch you with alcohol, you hang. So what to do? Best sit between the border and finish it all. I've seen crazy things if you're waiting on the, on the border. A friend of mine, uh, he sold his truck to an Armenian guy. He sold it for 80,000 German marks. He gave him 40,000. And then he said, I give you 40,000, I keep the truck. Another 40,000 I give you in uh, Turkey. He took 40,000 German marks, he was going in a plane. And the guy, he bought the truck, he gave him the money, he took all the serial numbers of the money. And he called the police. He said, one guy, this guy, he stole my money. And when he was in the airport going out of Iran, police catch him with all the serial numbers. He got in jail for nine, nine months. And then the other guy, he took the truck. He used his truck for nine months. And the court says to him, okay, you can get your truck and you can go home. And that day I was in Iran, sitting in the parking, eating with friends, and I seen Hamdi with beard and no shoes, uh, slippers. Bad situation. I said, Hamdi, where, where you been? Where you been all this time? Look, look at you. He says, you told me a story. What's ha what has happened to him? He said, I win the court. I just need to go get my truck, but I'm afraid. There's mafia, where my truck is in the factory, they will kill me if I go get my truck there. I say, you know what, we go in the midnight. If you have the key of your truck, we start and go. He said, they will kill us. I said, no, we try. He said, I can start them without key. <laughs> and we go in the midnight with my truck to the factory. I park behind the factory somewhere. We climb over the wall, we open the gates, and I walk back to my truck, and Hussein, the Hamdi gone to the truck to start and run away because they have all the papers. And I was driving, they follow me, they're coming behind me. I see in my mirror, the police stopped them with guns, machine guns. I don't know what to do. Hussein is in the truck, Hamdi is in another truck. I go out of the truck and run. I seen a few guys with machine guns and guns, normal guns. I get scared, I, I run back to my truck. The police take him back. I don't know where they're bringing them. And I could not turn with my truck back because I was loaded. I had my trailer behind me. And then I could not turn back. And I locked the truck. I run behind the truck where my friends go. And I could not make it, of course. And I stopped a car. And I said to the car, I give you money if you follow this truck. The taxi brought me to the police station. <laughs> and then they said to me, you're going to stay in Iran for one week. You give, give your passport. I give my passport. I stay one week on police station. 
Another week, I need to stay in Iran. Go sign every day, 4 o'clock. I'm in Tehran. I was one week in jail for nothing. I mean, it was okay, but we get the truck back. It was a very experience. People think Iran is warm. No, Iran is freezing cold. Summer is hot, winter is freezing cold. We got three meters snow. We've seen three meters snow in Iran. Minus 40 degrees in Iran. My mustache was frozen. My, my nose was frozen. I could not even breathe. My hair was frozen. Your gas oil is frozen. Gas oil is getting like a yogurt, white. It's frozen. You cannot start your truck anymore. One day I was coming from Iran, come to Turkey on the border, and my truck doesn't start anymore. He, he, he gone. My gas oil was frozen. It's minus 40, 45. In the midnight, I see the eyes of the wolves everywhere. They're hungry. If you get out of your truck, they eat you. You cannot even pee. So I need to pull up my cabin. I, I burn my clothes under my tank, heat, my, heat, the, heat the tank, gas oil. Under my tank is a fire. Uh, and then I start my truck, I can move. My brakes, they're frozen. It's frozen, there's water in there. Brakes doesn't work, you can't move. And then I see another truck coming from my own company, a friend of mine. I stop to say, help me. He doesn't stop. No one stops for you. He says, if I stop, I will die as well. I say, I, will, I need terpentine to put in my air tanks to open the ice in my, my brakes. He says, open my left door. Open his truck while he's driving very slowly. He says, if I stop, I can't move anymore. I open his small box of his truck. He opened from inside. I take terpentine out. I close again. He move. I come back to my truck. So many wolves everywhere. You can hear them and you can see with the lights. And then after that, I start my truck. I keep continue. And I seen one Hungarian truck. Small lights I see burning in his truck. And all the truck is covered. But I see small lights inside. I said, this guy is frozen and dead. I stopped my truck to watch. I could not open his door, it was frozen. And I opened his door, you know what I see? A person sitting like this, frozen. And a gas flame burned his air. He's gonna freeze, he's gonna die, you know? He, to heat himself, he opened his gas bottle. And this gas bottle burned, used all the air in the truck. And it's frozen like this. I, I opened the door, I took this guy, Put it in my truck. I brought him to the next village. One guy, he has a small tea house. He was open, uh, trying to make fire for the people coming out of the mosque for tea. I stepped there. I ran inside. I said, excuse me, help me. There's one guy. I don't know what to do. He's frozen. Maybe I brought a dead body there. He said, don't bring him inside. Leave him outside. If you bring him inside, he can die. I know. I know that. I heard this well before. Never bring a frozen person in the hot place. And then I, uh, they brought a chair outside, front of the door. And they said, let them, they brought, they brought another blanket. And uh, the heat from inside going outside was enough for him. I said, sorry, I need to go. Because I could not wait anymore. I need to go. I don't know if he died or not. I brought it to these people, just look after him. I remember the guy said from the heat, he's still in life. Don't worry about him. I was buying gas oil. It was before getting dark. I was parking my truck so I could buy gasoline in the midnight, fill up my tanks, go in the morning. Because there are mountains direction, out of Tabriz direction, Turkey. 
Always dangerous. People get scared to drive there in the night. That's why we drive there always in the, in the day. And they always told me, watch out, they can steal your passport. They steal your passport, they can kill you. And that day, police stopped next to my truck, police car. He says to me, <laughs> what are you doing here? I said, sleep. He said, no, you're not sleeping here. You move, go. I said, I can't go. I'm in the mountains, dangerous. I said, no, I'm going to sleep here. Tomorrow morning I will go. He said, no, you go. I said, I'm going nowhere. I'm going to sleep here. He said, no, you must go. The car keep following me, and I thought they're going to kill me because they, I was rude to them. And I told myself, I'm going to die anyway, or I need to kill them. Before they kill me, I need to kill them. To kill me, they need to pass me. And I thought, if they pass me, I push them from the road better than, than me. <laughs> so they keep following me, following me, following me, until I seen the uh, lights of a tunnel. And uh, I was going faster, and they were coming faster. I was going faster. They were coming faster. Finally, the, the road was getting double. I thought, I'm going to get them in the tunnel, push them to the wall, then I, then I can go. I was almost in the tunnel. I seen the car passing me, and the lights. It was not them. It was another car with a family inside. They passed me. If, if they passed me in the wind, in the dark, I could kill the family. But I was getting more scared. It was getting more dangerous. I heard Saddam using chemical weapons against schools and everything in the news, the newspapers. I get more scared, like now maybe my next trip will be Iraq. I was getting more scared. After, I don't want to go there anymore. After that, how the police hit me and everything, follow me, Saddam, Kurdish problems. I don't want to go there anymore. And that's why when I came to Cappadocia, I said, I want to stay here, I'm not going nowhere anymore. And this was my last trip, Now I brought my truck to Holland. And then my father says to me, I want to go to Turkey. I'm retired. I said, OK, I'm going with you. He worked all his life in Holland. Even you have a Dutch passport. They see you on the Turkey. Your name is Mehmet. And uh, that's why I said, I don't want to live here like you. And they, they moved us from every five months, every six months to other house. Because they said, we're going to break this street down. We're going to build new buildings. You need to move. So we move. Where they moved us, where all the Turks are. And they made us not feel Dutch. Yeah, they, they push us always together in some place. And we've been angry about this. Because why are you giving me old houses? Why don't you give me new houses like a Dutch? So we don't have to move anymore. And uh, I live in that. In the morning, in the morning I wake up, I need to go to my work with my car. Someone's sleeping in my car, a junkie sleeping in my car. And I never locked my door, otherwise they break my window and try to see my table, a table recorder. My uh, wife, she had a little fight with the neighbors, uh, all the skinheads, Nazi group. I had a problem with them. And then I got more problem every day, getting more worse. I said, my, my father said, I'm ready to tie, I'm going back. I said, direct, I'm going with you. Enough. I don't want to be like you here. So that's why I came back to Cappadocia. Anatolian culture. And a little Anatolian culture, we have a history. We have a history of 12,000, 13,000 years. I mean, we, we know how to share things together here.
My father is retired from Holland, but he is 75 years old. He died now. He was must be 85 now. I'm thinking about 10 years ago. He gets stroke in his face, and the doctor says to him, oh, "Maybe you should take your father for a few weeks to Holland. It will be good for him." I said, "Yeah, that's a good idea. I can take my father for a few weeks home because he has his daughter living there, grandchild, grandkids living there." I've been to Dutch embassy with my father to get a visa. Dutch embassy says, you need invitation from Holland to go there. I said, invitation? I am Dutch, I am his son. He said, not you, not family. Who then? I have a sister living there. Is she's working? I said, no, she's a housewife, husband working. He said, no, doesn't work, they say. My father's 75 years old. He's not going to work there anymore. He, has, he gets his money from Holland. He got insurance from Holland. He said, doesn't matter. Come on, it's ridiculous. It's my father, I'm Dutch, I'm Dutch. I live all my life there. And then he said to me, get out because there's more people waiting. They kicked me out, my father. And he says to me, if you ever go to Holland, you're not my son anymore. And from that day, I had no feeling to go there anymore. I was feeling like, why? You don't discriminate people, you can't say, all the Iranians that are bad, or all the Turks that are bad, or all the Germans that are bad. You can't say this. We say five fingers, five different people in one hand, but they are not the same. You have small ones, big ones, long ones, thick ones, good ones, bad ones. In one hand, you have five fingers, but they are not the same. You can't say Dutch people, they are bad. You can't say uh, Germans, they are bad. You can't say French, they are bad. Five fingers in one hand. They're all in one land, but they're all different. Different kind of people. We have bad and goods everywhere. That's what we say, five fingers in one hand. They're not the same. The Same Hand is a project produced and edited by Duncan Gidney. Our website is thesamehand.com, where you can find more info and other episodes. Thanks so much for listening.